Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. All right, Bedrock, how's everybody doing? You guys having a good night? Last, uh, for kids, last weekend of summer, they were saying boo. Uh, I know my kids are heading back to school on Tuesday, um, but today, what happened here today was honestly incredible. We got to serve multiple families, uh, giving away backpacks and supplies, and for any of those who served with us, thank you so much for being a part of that. We always say, we always want to be a church that helps meet physical needs so we can speak to spiritual needs, and so Jesus always helped people. And so we want to be like Jesus. We want to just follow after him and help people the best that we can. And then he does what he can. And so you, as you were walking in today, you probably noticed the school is in full, like ready to go day. Like they're, they're setting up their classrooms and getting ready to go. And so I don't want to miss the opportunity to pray for all the students going back to school this year. And so uh, we, we, it's a special time of sending those kids off. And as a parent, I mean, there's an element of faith, right? You're sending your kids out uh, to go to teachers, and they're going to be influencing your kids, and just that they'll be safe, and just everything that's going on in our culture. So I just want to take a minute before we jump into the message, and just pray specifically for our kids, and our teachers, and everything like that. So will you join me? Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you so much for getting us up to this point in the season, Lord, in this life. And so, Lord, we are looking forward to this school year, whether it's um, just college football coming on or all different kinds of things. But Lord, I specifically pray right now for the teachers. Lord, they work so incredibly hard. They just made it through a bear of a year. Uh, and so God, I pray that they rested well this season. I pray your anointing over them as they teach and mold young minds. Lord, I pray for the students. I pray for all of the kids, Lord. One, that you'll protect them, that you'll guide them and direct them, that they would grow up to know you. But God, just that this would be an incredible year. And Lord, may we as a church come alongside this school to continue to serve and support the faculty and the students here. God, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to probably not really split the room because I think there's one obvious decision in this question. Do we have any like DC fans or Marvel fans? Like, you know, the Marvel movies. Mar All right, if you're a Marvel fan, raise your hand. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. <coughs> You're like, I don't even know where I'm at, right? Well, I was thinking about this week, and, and I was thinking about this message. Tonight, we're continuing in our series on the book of Psalms, and we are going to be talking about kind of all that's happening, and we're getting into that third book of the book of Psalms, and this book kind of deals a lot with a lot of anguish. I don't know about you, but maybe you've experienced a little bit of that in your life. There's been some hard times going on. And as I was thinking about the message, I was really drawn to the Marvel movies. And I don't know about you, but like there's a lot of news going on. Like Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney and everyone else is suing Disney. And there's all these movies. But as I began to, I guess it kind of like triggered me to go like, oh, I should go back and watch some of these movies. And so I was like watching through them. And then there's the last two in kind of this cycle we just went through. And it's Infinity War and Endgame, right? And I was thinking about that, and I, I was looking at the movies, and I was like, I kind of want to watch these, but I don't really want to watch the first one. 
Like this movie is the story that's split up into two different parts, right? That's what they seem to do with the last movie of any series. They're like, let's just elongate this and make a lot more money out of it, right? And so they elongate this story. And the first movie, if you've never watched them, you're about, <laughs> plug your ears and go la 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 because it's spoiler alert, okay? But in the first movie, this guy named Thanos, right, he comes in and he's like a world ender. And what he's trying to do is bring balance into the world by basically killing off half the population of the entire known universe. Doesn't sound like a great guy, right? But he needs balance. He's probably a little OCD, and so he just needs things organized, right? And so what happens is, is the Avengers and all these superheroes are getting together to go stop Thanos from getting these stones that he can snap his fingers and half the universe dies. And as you're watching this movie, like if you're like me, you're expecting like the Avengers are going to pull through. Like they're definitely going to win and you get towards the end of the movie and they don't. Thanos snaps his fingers and half of the universe dies. And I I like watched this and I was like, what? Like this is, what, thank God there's going to be another movie because this is awful. I mean like how does evil win? I mean, honestly, like, and I began to look at it, and they, in the movies, they call it the blip. And I began to think about the next movie, and I'm like, how in the world are they going to make this work, right? Like, how are they going to make it that everything's going to be okay? Because I don't know about you, I need everything to be okay. I need them to work this out. I almost called Marvel, like, hey, you all got to figure this out. I'm losing some sleep. The world is terrible. I need you to just make it right right? And so Marvel's like, don't worry, another movie's coming out. But I don't know about you, but when the bad guys win, it really bothers me. I I mean, if you look in the world right now, does it bother you when it seems like the bad guys are winning? Does it bother you when it seems like in this moment, it's just not right? Where's the justice? Well, that's what tonight's message is entitled. When the bad guys are winning. And this psalmist in Psalm 73 begins to write about evil winning in the world. And and how do we kind of walk through this time? Because if you know the story of the Bible, at the end of the day, evil doesn't win. Right? Like, Like, spoiler alert, God gives you like the last part of the whole story. It's in this book called Revelation. If you don't know where it is, just start at the back of your Bible and you'll make your way there. It's the last book. And so the story tells us that God is victorious. But what about when it feels like He isn't? What about when it feels like everything's not okay? And, and this isn't the right way that things should be happening and, and the way that things should be going. And so this psalm starts out so great. If you have a Bible with you, you can jump into Psalm 73. If you don't, we have free Bibles in the back. We'd love to give you a gift. And if not, they're on the screen for you. And you all can just get it on your phone, right? Like that's the best place. And so if you want to follow along with me, you can. We're going to be in the New International Version tonight. But listen to what it says in verse 1. Look, this starts great. You start reading this psalm, you're like, this is going to be good. I like this. Verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel. That means God is good to his people. God surely is good to those who are pure in heart. And I always say this when I'm talking about the Bible. We try to teach our church, if you're new here, we really want you to know how to read the Bible. Right? Because there might be a time where pastors can't be up here and telling you things. 
And so we want you to read the Bible intelligently with, with specific thoughts in mind. And I always say, normally in the Bible, the word but is, the, it's, I always say, thank God for buts, right? Like, thank God the word but is there because normally it's bad news, but God does something. We get a bad but here, okay? It's a bad but. Verse 2, look at what it says. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Uh-oh. Surely the Lord of Israel is always good to his people and those who are pure in heart. But, well, I don't want to hear a but. I just want a period at the end of that sentence. But, as for me, I almost slipped away. We're going to read here in the very beginning of this passage what happens because verse 1 says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure of heart. Anyone know this phrase? God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. But what about when it feels like He isn't? Anyone ever been there? Anyone ever had the worst day of your life and someone says, hey, God is good, and all the time, right? Like, God is good, and all the time, and you're like, shut your mouth, right? Like, you're like, come on, what, what, how's that supposed to help me? My arm just got ripped off, and all the time, God is good, Right? Praise him. And you're like, I can't. My arm got ripped off. I can't even put a praise arm up, right? And so here's what happens is, I don't know about you, but those are the times that we go through. You tell me God's good, but what about when it feels like he isn't? What about when it feels like life isn't good? What about when it feels like my world is falling apart? What about infinity war? Right? Like, where is the goodness here? I don't see it. Well, tonight, we're going to look at how the psalmist begins to see evil in the world and how God begins to remedy that, right? Because we all expect the story to always be this incredible moment where God swoops in and saves the day in this incredible way and everything's going to be made right. And by the time I go to bed, I have no anxiety so I can go to sleep. But let me just tell you something. That's a world in a, in a life that's absent of faith. And how many of us know it is impossible to please God without faith. And so we have to understand that there's a balance to these things, but what do we do? Starting here in chapter uh, 73, verse 2, we're going to read through 2 to 15. You're like, that's a lot. Don't worry. We're going to get through this whole thing. All right? So just follow along. We're about to go on a journey. So it says, all the time, God is good, right? Especially to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Anybody been so astounded by what happened, you almost fall down? Anybody walk into a situation and you're so kind of astounded by what happened, you almost slip and fall on the ground? This is what this guy says. But as for me, I almost slipped because things got so bad. I had nearly lost my foothold. He says, I nearly lost my whole foundation. Why? Verse 3, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He says, look, when I saw all these bad guys doing well in the world, I almost lost my footing. I almost slipped. Because what do you do when the bad guys are doing well? I mean, look at them. Like, look, they, I know they're terrible, and yet they live in mansions and drive Maseratis and have airplanes. Where are you, God? All the time, God is good. Well, where's the good God in this situation? I don't know if this is speaking to anybody, but I think it's going to speak to somebody. Verse 4, they have no struggles. 
Their bodies are healthy and strong. One version says this in the ESV, their bodies are fat and slim. You're like, that, what? That doesn't make sense. What it means is they've got enough food on their bodies that they look good, but they're still looking good. Like, they're like, you know, Chris Hemsworth, right? Like, he's fat but slim. You know what I mean? Right? He's got huge biceps, but he's kind of skinny. You're like, what? How's that even work, Chris Hemsworth? And he's like, I don't know. I just eat chicken and broccoli. And you're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so look, he even begins to compare. He goes, look, they're, they're like healthy. Their bodies look good. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their nucleus. How many of you all know if everything went right in your life, you'd be full of pride? Can some of us just stop for a second and thank God that our life hasn't gone perfect so we're not bundled with a necklace of pride right now? Because pride comes before the fall. And I really believe this, that at the center of every sin in the world is pride. What were Adam and Eve tempted with in the garden? You want to be like God? Eat that. And Satan tempts Adam and Eve with what he was tempted with. I want to be like God. That's pride. I deserve to be like God. I'm awesome. God goes, see, the problem is you couldn't handle it. You think it's awesome, but you don't have the responsibility because you don't have the capacity or the character to handle it. So if you wanted to try to be like me, it would crush you. Thank me that I didn't make you God because you weren't made for this. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They close themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Iniquity is all kinds of evil, all kinds of bad things. Their evil imaginations have no limit. That's when you know someone's jacked up, when they're, ima- they're getting creative at how to be bad. Some of y'all, that was you as kids, right? You're like, I'm going to think of a way to be real bad, real sneaky, right? Like you're creative, and you go, the iniquity is in him, right? And so... Verse 8, they scoff and they speak with malice. Their arrogance, they, with arrogance, they threaten oppression. These dudes sound awful. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. Look at what happens. Because of all the things that seems like the prosperity of the evil, it says this, they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? How many of you all thought, man, if it, like, I'm doing bad things and they're not punishing me, like, that must be not be a very powerful person. I mean, look at what we're doing. And God's doing nothing. Has anyone ever been like, you know that's what happens with your kids, right? When you're a teacher, if you let evil go on in the classroom, guess what's going to amount? More evil, right? More, I'm going to push the limit because i got to find the boundary. Right? And so what happens here is he goes on and he says, look, they, they're even asking if God exists. They're doubting it. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. And look what the psalmist says. How many of you, when you've seen evil in the world, this is what you say next? Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. Here's what he's saying. The fact that I'm not doing these things, this is stupid. I could be living sinning and I could be in a big house with lots of wealth and a slim, sleek body and doing all these things. And like, I'm an idiot for walking in a pure and holy way. Anybody in here ever felt that way? You do all the right things and you're wondering where the blessing is? I'm going to tell you where the blessing is. The blessing is you're not receiving what wickedness gives you. That sometimes, like, everyone wants, like, God, give me a mansion. 
And God goes, no, I'm not going to give you a mansion because I know what that will do to you. It will turn your heart from me. But sometimes the blessing is not receiving the curse of a sin. Right? Like we work at a pregnancy center. And so we, we deal with all kinds of things. And sometimes people are in there like, I don't know how I got pregnant. And I'm like, I know how you got pregnant. I know. And they're like, you know, we have this STD chart. It's disgusting, right? It's not all the STDs like pictures. It means like, hey, if you sleep with this many people, this is how many people you slept with. It gets real nasty real quick, right? But you look at it and you go, oh, see, if you keep away from some things that you shouldn't be and you don't have to deal with the consequences of those things. Like no one in here is dealing with the consequence of being a thief and stealing a million dollars. The blessing is you're not in jail, now, did God give you a million dollars because you didn't steal it? No. But sometimes the blessing of God is you don't receive the consequence of something bad. He says, surely I've kept my heart pure. Is it all in vain? And have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment. How many of y'all feel that way? The older I get, I feel like, did I just fight someone in my sleep tonight? Like, my shoulders hurt. My back hurts. Like, gosh, I need a therapeutic bed. What the heck? I can't survive. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, there's more gray, and I'm getting wrinkles. I started a skin regimen. What's happening to me? I'm like, this Florida sun's got me beaten down, right? All the day, every day I wake up and I just feel punished. You ever felt that way? You did the right thing and you feel bad about it the next morning? Like you did the right thing. The next morning you feel punished, burdened, heavy. All the day long he deals with this. And then look at what he says in verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. So what happens here is this is what this psalmist says, and this is what happens when evil begins to reign in the world. We're going to go to this tendency, and I'm just going to tell you this right now in your life. Comparison will kill you. Comparison kills. Notice what the psalmist does. He starts comparing his innocent life, their innocent life, towards the life of the wicked, and he's dying inside. He goes, look at what all these people are doing. They're so jacked up, and yet they're prospering, and here I am doing everything right, and I'm suffering. My, I feel punished. Every day is hard. And see, comparison's going to kill you in three big areas of your life. The first area that it's going to kill you is in your confidence. Comparison will kill confidence. How many of y'all go on Instagram, go on Facebook, and you see somebody got a new Mercedes, and you're like, how do they afford a Mercedes? They must be selling drugs, right? Like, you just think that. What the heck? They must be in a mound of debt. Okay? You know, favor ain't fair, people, right? And so what happens is you start comparing, and how many of you start losing confidence in who you are? Man, look at their marriage. Oh, man, look at their vacation. Look at how well they did with COVID. I'm here suffering and they're like running around again, right? Like you just start looking at other people's lives and you start comparing. And you go, I'm doing all these right things. Guys, I'm a pastor. I should be having a Lamborghini. Like if it's all about that, right? And so he begins to look and he begins to lose confidence. And not just himself, but in God. 
right? You begin to lose all of these things. And how many of you know that when you're on Instagram or on Facebook or you're comparing your life to other people, your marriage to somebody else's or your body and the way that it looks to somebody else's, like you look at all of these things and you begin to lose confidence. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. What did he do to Eve? Did God really say, I'm going to attack your confidence? Because when your confidence is attacked, you're wobbly. You're not sure. You don't know what to do. And so here's what I'm going to just tell you. Comparison is going to kill you. So it's going to kill your confidence. And then after your confidence goes, your joy is soon to follow. Right? Your joy. And for the psalmist is the joy of the Lord. Surely God is good to Israel. Surely he loves those and is good to those who are pure of heart. Verse 10 and 11 Like he talks about these people drinking up and would God even know? See, when you lose your joy in who God is because your confidence is going down, you're going to be beginning to question if God even exists. Right? That's what they say. If God's even there, why isn't he doing anything? Is he good? Is he reliable? Does he even care? See, some of us get to this thing called deism. We believe there's a God. He's just not interested in us. Because of the evil things that we've seen and compared in this world, and we go, obviously God doesn't care because he surely would have intervened. But hasn't he intervened? Hasn't Jesus entered the world? Hasn't the Bible been written? Doesn't the Holy Spirit enter your heart and your soul and your mind when you're struggling? God has intervened. He's just not intervening in the way you deem wise. But that's why the wisdom of the Lord is as foolishness to men. Don't confuse God's patience with his inability to do something. And thank God he's patient with you, right? Thank God as your confidence is going down and you're comparing yourself and you're losing confidence in who he is because you're comparing everything, he doesn't get frustrated with you. and go, you know, Just take him home. Get him out of here. But see, when you're, when you're comparing, your confidence goes, and when your confidence goes, your joy is going to go, and you're going to begin to question who God is, and when you question who God is, you're going to start questioning your calling. See, comparison will kill your calling because it's this slippery slope, and that's exactly what he talks about. I began to slip and fall, and man, I didn't know what to do. Right? That's exactly what happens in verses 13 to 15. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. I'm doubting my calling in this life. I'm called, we're all called. Don't, I, I can't give you the specific call in your life, but I can tell you the general one, love God, love people. And so what does he say? I, I've all done this all in vain. Look, look at the wicked. Look at all these beautiful things they have. Look at their wonderful lives. They don't even have normal burdens. Like, I can't pay to get health insurance, and they're out there getting IVs delivered to their house. They just don't have normal burdens. Does God even exist? Is He even good? Am I even doing the right thing? Why don't I just start to live like hell? Because I might just experience heaven here on earth if I do. And so what begins to happen is this calling begins to get questioned. And that fear that enters your life is the fear now of being alone, that everything in your life was wrong. Verse 15, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. What does he mean by that? 
This is what the psalmist does, and he teaches us an incredible lesson that you and I have to do when we're comparing ourselves. He does it right here in verse 15. He says, if I would have talked like this, I would have betrayed your people. What he means is, I went back to what I know is true, not what I feel is true. See, he sees all this wickedness in the world, and he goes, it's winning. It's winning, and I'm dying, and I'm perishing. But he catches himself in verse 15. If I would have called out God like that, if I just would have started living in iniquity, I would be denying what I know to be true for what I feel to be true. And how many of us know, if you follow this all the time, everyone says, follow your heart. Well, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all else. That's bad advice. Because sometimes when life gets tough, you got to go back to what you know is true rather than what you feel is true. The wicked are winning. Nah, they're not. I know God. I know he's good. I know it's going to be okay. And see, that's exactly what happens in this verse. See, what happens is we're going to be in verse 16 to 22. Look at what the Bible says. When I tried to understand, so he makes that shift. He goes, I know God is good. I'm not feeling like it, but I know he is. And then he says this, verse 16, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. How many of you have tried to figure out how a good God is doing what he's doing? You go, I don't get it. This is deeply troubling me. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Verse 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God. He says, I was confused, I was perplexed, I was overwhelmed, and I was burdened until I did one thing, until I entered the sanctuary of God, right? And, and in this moment, you, you realize and you feel in this time, like this, this idea that he begins to say, like, look, if I just would have kept doing this, if I would have kept on this path, I couldn't have understood this, but I entered your sanctuary. What that means is I began to see things from God's perspective. I began to see things from God's perspective. Surely. Now look, his confidence was dying in the first part when he was comparing, but when he recognized who God was, all of a sudden, he's now sure. Oh, surely you placed them on a slippery ground, just like I was feeling. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by arrows. They are like a dream when one awakes. You forget it. It was just a bad nightmare. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute before you. Look at what he says. He says, in this moment, I was so confused. This was so hard. This was unbelievable. I think I have everything I need to do this. I can't find... Danielle, do you know where my markers are? If not, can you find a marker for me? Like a big old Sharpie. Because I need you guys to see some things. Let me look. Hold on. Guys, this is what happens when you serve in the middle of the day. It honestly, Danielle, it might be in my car. So, <laughs> and my car's at my house. Uh-oh. So we're going to just have to make this work because I want you to see what happens here. Find me something. A pen. Yeah, give me that. Chalk marker. Yeah. All right. Big fat chalk marker. Oh, 
It's, is it called that? The Big Fat Chalk Marker. That'd be a good name. So here's what happens. Here's what happens in this series. Let me bring this over here a little bit so everyone can try to see. Can you all see? What's that? More stuff? Okay. Markers. Okay. Not big fat chalk marker, but it's a marker. All right. So here's what the psalmist begins to say. He goes, look, you got to understand. I was having a hard time understanding this. And so I had to go to the truth when my heart wasn't agreeing with it. And until I began to see things from God's perspective... And so he goes, look, this is what he says. He goes, this is what my life is like. I'm looking at a baseline of everybody in this world and all the wicked, all it seems like is they're just up. They're just moving up. Every part of their life is moving up. And he goes, look, not only that, like it seems like they got all, like their bodies are good, right? Like everything, it's just, it starts here and it goes up and maybe it goes down, but it seems to go right back up. Like I don't understand this. And then he goes, look, not only that, their relationships seem incredible. Everything about them seems good. They don't even have these normal, normal things in their life. Like their money's good, right? So let's just give that a big check right here. Like everything, their money's good. Everything's going up. And then he goes and look. At the end of the day, they might seem like their wealth is going bad, and it goes up right here, and it might take a dip, but it's going to definitely go back up. And so everything in their life begins to go like this. It's all on an upward trajectory. Every part of their life is up. And then he goes, from here, down here, I can't understand what you're doing, God. It looks like the wicked are prospering. And God goes, oh, see, a new perspective brings life. And you need my perspective. And how does God view things? From top down. So in order to see God's perspective, we have to look at it like this, don't we? And what looked like prospering is not. And he says, surely they're slipping. Surely they're moving down. And so what do you and I need to do when we get this new perspective in life? We need to turn. T-U-R-N. We need to turn. We need to take what is like this in our life and we look at all the evil when the bad guys seem like they're winning. We go, ah, I know God's good. I just might need a different perspective. So I just need to turn the situation around. And when I turn the situation around, all of a sudden I see that the wicked are not prospering. And in fact, you think, oh yeah, they're getting what they deserve. The Bible says, no, 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 no. We look at it and we go, I got to go help rescue them. They're sliding down a hill and it seems like they're being rescued. It seems, it seems like their life is good, but they're just digging a grave. How many of us need this right now? Like something in your life looks like this. Oh man, they're winning. Oh man, they're doing all these things. Oh man, how could this even happen? Oh man, oh man, turn. Turn. That's exactly what the psalmist says. He says, you got to turn because you're looking at it from the wrong direction. See, God looks at it from heaven and goes, they're not prospering. They're on their way down. And God looked at you and I and goes, they're on their way down. They're on a slippery slope. I got to go rescue them. Jesus, get in there. That's exactly what the psalmist says. See, a new perspective brings life. That's exactly what it does. What he says is, until I began to see things from God's point of view, I didn't get it. 
But as soon as I did, I went from comparison to compassion. Because they're suffering. Because they're on their way out. And he says, blessed is the God of Israel who loves Israel in the pure of heart. Now all of a sudden, what happens to you? You get confidence. You can face hell and be like, nah, that's for my prospering. That's why the psalmist says, that's why David says, oh, death, where is your sting? That's the best the devil's got on us is death. Sin equals death. That's the best you got. All that does is take me home to heaven. You got anything else? Because what you meant to kill me, God meant to prosper me. Right? This is, this is the story of Joseph. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph does this. I'm going to jail. I'm in Egypt. I got sold into slavery. Oh, oh, but I got this gift. And I did this so that not only could I be saved, all of Israel would be saved from a famine. And we would be in the land and we would be okay. And so what man meant to crush me, God meant to prosper me. So what do you do when the bad guys win? They're not winning. You know the great thing about these movies is the fact that it goes from, what is it, Infinity War to Endgame. Spoiler alert, of course it's made right. It's Disney, right? Like it's, I just, okay, can I just say one thing? Why does every parent have to be dead in a Disney film? Y'all ever notice that? Every time, every Disney, mom's dead, dad's dead, frozen. We're like, this is nice. And then the parents go on vacation. They get swallowed up in a boat. And so here's what you need to do. How do you go through this? How do you actually turn? How do you actually turn? What do you do? You got to take a step back from your situation. How many of you are in the, met, in the midst of hell right now? I need you to just step back. Take a step back. T, take a step back. Here's what else you need to do. Sometimes in the truth, we have to undertake a different way of thinking. So T, take a step back. Then you're going to undertake a new way of thinking. How do you undertake a new way of thinking? You've got to have the word which refines your heart and your mind. You've got to undertake a new way of thinking. He had, you know, stinking thinking, right? That's what he had. He had stinking thinking in the first 15 verses. Then he took a step back out of the situation, aligned his head with his heart and goes, hey, look, I have to undertake a new way of thinking. And then what you need to do is not only do that, you need to recognize God's perspective. So you're going to undertake away a new way of thinking. You're going to get out of the vicious cycle and you're going to go, God's got a different perspective on this. God's got a different perspective on this. And see, when you take, take yourself out of the situation, take a step back, when you undertake a new point of view, when you look at it from God's perspective, when you, when you receive that, all of a sudden you'll have a newfound confidence. You'll have a newfound confidence. And the bad guys can seem like they're flourishing, but you know that they're not. So that psalm ends with this idea. God's got this. God's got this. And some of you just need to hear that. Some of you right now just need to hear like, you need to take a step back. You need to undertake a new way of thinking. You need to recognize the top-down perspective on evil. And you need to look at it and go, now I have a new confidence because I know that they're not prospering. God's moving. And the fact that God isn't annihilating them right now is an act of grace and mercy. How good is our God? I mean, has anyone ever thought about that? When you look at the world and you see all this evil things going on and you go, how good is God? He hasn't wiped them out. I'm like, man, I'm feeling okay about me now. Right? If he can love those jokers, he can love me. 
And then look at what happens here at the end, starting in verse 23. This is what God says, or he says to God, yet I'm always with you. I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. What that literally means is God is holding the psalmist. He's like a little kid holding his hand up. My right, your left. Right, other way. My, yeah. And he goes, you got me. Do you know what that means in biblical times when I've got you by your right hand? That means favor, security, strength, and confidence. You're holding me by my right hand. You've always been with me. You never departed me. Even when comparison was killing me, you were with me. I knew that you were with me. You guide me with your counsel. What does that mean? His word, this book. And afterward, you will take me into glory. I know this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. You see what happens? He goes, all those things that I was comparing myself to, all of a sudden, I've lost my appetite for it. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good for me to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. You notice that confidence? He gets so confident, he's got to tell the whole world about who this God is. I got to tell you about him. Let me tell you about someone who changed my life. See, what happens here is when he got this new perspective and he began to see it from God's point of view, he just said, God's got this. I use this thing a lot when I fish. I like fishing and I use this app. It's called Navionics. And I, I like put things down in there like that's my fishing spot. But what I do is, like, I'll choose a destination. And, you know, I'm like, I'm curious. I like to throw a little line in here and there. So instead of just getting to where I need to be, sometimes I take a detour. Sometimes I take a stop. And, and I look back, and, and how many of you felt like that in your life? You're on your way to heaven, but it feels like there's a couple detours. It feels like there's some things that have happened, like you've done it, that it's been happened to you, that just are detours in your life. And you begin to wonder, like, why did I do all that stuff? Or why was all that stuff done to me? You know what the crazy thing is? It's when I go back and look at the map as a whole. I may have taken a lot of detours, but all of them were just taking me to my destination. And when you have a perspective like this, detours are not detrimental. They're just part of the story. Getting you where you need to go. And how many of you right now need to, there's some bad things that have happened to you, and I'm not trying to belittle you. But you look back at your life and you think, this was my life. I was on a downward spiral. But God turned it all around. I just didn't get it. All this looks like a mystery to me. But when you get here to the destination, all this will make sense. I think about it like this. You guys might not know this. I didn't live like the best life my whole life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I just kind of did what the world did. There's a lot of regret in my life. Pastors aren't born squeaky clean, and we definitely don't stay that way on our way to the ministry. And I look back at all those things, and sometimes I look back and go, God, why did you allow that? Why did did you allow me to do that? Why did you allow me to walk in that way? Why did you allow me to walk through that? Why did you let me be so stupid? Why didn't you just stop me? 
But now sometimes I look back and like when I'm counseling people, when I'm talking to people, I go, I get it. That was just a detour towards my destination, but I had to go through the detour so I could minister to people now. Because you know what kind of pastor I would be if nothing bad had ever happened in my life and I'd never done anything bad? I'd be a judgmental idiot. Thanks be to God that my life was a little bit jacked up so that I can be humbled enough to walk in this situation and not look at people when they tell me the nastiest stuff in their life and go, oh, you nasty. I go, I get it. God's good. God is good and all the time. Amen. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.